This is the evaporator. My mom or I run the evaporator. That's where we bottle maple syrup. You're listening to Happy Vermont, a podcast about people and places in the Green Mountain State. I'm your host, Erica Housekeeper. April's Maple in the town of Canaan is located on the Canadian border in the far reaches of Vermont's Northeast Kingdom. April LeMay grew up there, left for college, and worked in the corporate world in major metropolitan areas before deciding to return to her hometown. Her grandparents owned 800 acres of land in Canaan, which April purchased and is now home to April's Maple, a maple sugar farm and cafe. The cafe serves breakfast and lunch, as well as maple syrup, maple candies, and pretty much the best maple creamies around. You can learn more at aprilsmaple.com. I met with April in March to talk about coming home to Vermont and running a maple destination in one of the most remote parts of Vermont. Here's April. Now that I'm a little older, I have much more of an appreciation and a fondness for growing up in such a rural town. And I'm sure that my sentiment is not alone in that. Um, But Canaan is a quiet, peaceful town with hardworking individuals. Um, We are right on the border of Canada and New Hampshire. So culturally, you know, we are really set in a bit of a different landscape with a lot of cultural diversity that you necessarily don't find in other Vermont towns uh, because, you know, folks do share, have different beliefs. We have, you know, we share a commonality in where we live. And as I said, you know, hardworking individuals, uh, but there's certainly a diversity of thought as you have some Canadian Americans and then the pure Vermont experience, as well as those that have a little bit of a Vermont New Hampshire influence. So it's a small town with a lot of different uh, views. Yeah. And were you born right in Canaan? Well, I was, you can't be born technically in Canaan. (laughs) Our um, nearest hospital when I was born was in Lancaster, New Hampshire. Okay. So yes, I was born in Canaan or I've lived in Canaan for the first 18 years of my life. Uh So that was my experience. And I couldn't wait to get out and experience the world for all the reasons that I loved coming back, right? So Canaan, like all small towns, you go to the grocery store and you see people you know and you enjoy saying hello and they enjoy catching up. And when you're a kid, you don't necessarily want people to know what you're up to. Not that you're up to anything nefarious, but just to be maybe a little bit more lost in a bigger culture was what I thought I really wanted. Um, So those are the reasons I came back because I did have a chance. um, I went from Canaan to school in Vermont. Uh, And then I took a job in Boston and I worked for a professional services firm for 17 years. And I tell you, I traveled the world. I had a house. I never had a home like I have here. Mm. You didn't, I didn't have the same sense of belonging or the same sense of community that I found immediately when I came back to start April's Maple. It's so interesting because I hear a lot of people, you know, they can't wait to get out of Vermont, myself included. I grew up in Southern Vermont and I couldn't wait to leave. And then when I was gone, it was like, oh, I miss that. That's, it's not like this everywhere else. And coming back home and having that feeling of connection is is so important. And you have really deep, strong family roots in this town. So how many generations of your family lived in Four generations of my family have lived here before me. So definitely one of the great things about coming home is so much of that family is still intact in here. And same thing, my husband's family, his 
my husband owns a tree farm, a Christmas tree farm, and his parents live down the road from us. Um, my parents work here at April's Maple. So you're living and working alongside people that you love and care for, and you couldn't be more invested in that. Absolutely. And the land we're on, so this was your grandparents' property? My grandparents owned this land. My grandfather was a quintessential Vermont logger. Um, You could find him wearing, uh, you know, always sporting the traditional Vermont outfit, his uh, rubber work boots, his flannel pants, his flannel coat. Um, And he owned this 800 acres and some other surrounding lands. Um, And when my grandparents passed on, the land went over to my mom and her five sisters, and they were stewards of the land. And there wasn't, it was just a beautiful place to be. There wasn't anything, uh, a business on it. Uh, And it became a little bit of a burden uh, from a tax perspective, uh, because it wasn't income generating. And I clearly remember my mom and dad were down visiting me in Massachusetts at the time. And I had been working at my corporate job for about 15 years at the time and decided it was time to think about other investments or other ideas, not because I intended to leave my job, but I was feeling a little burnt out and tired with what I was doing. So the idea was maybe you have something on the side. Um, And my mom had mentioned that they were going to have to sell this piece of property. And we were brainstorming about what could somebody do with it? Because my grandparents were very much connected to, you know, mother nature and the land and family. And so when we talked about this land before it was April's Maple, it was just the most beautiful place my grandfather loved. It was It's on Coal Hill, and it was just one of his fa- most favorite roads to drive up and down. And we thought, wouldn't it be great if somebody would buy the land and really honor what my grandparents' values were? And my mom suggested that there were maple trees, and my grandfather was a logger. So, you know, people from Vermont would appreciate that. He was a logger with 800 acres of land, and the pieces that he cut were the pieces without maple. So, you know, Mm -hmm. perhaps somewhere in there, he thought there was a different sort of value attributable to the maple trees. And my mom said, I think there could be enough maple trees. Maybe someone would buy it and make syrup. And I thought, (laughs) I think I could do that. (laughs) And that's how it started. Um, So my, you know, my grandparents own the land. My Mom and her five sisters were stewards of the land. And then I approached my mom and her five sisters with this idea to purchase the land from them and start April's Maple. That's great. And when you were growing up, when your grandparents still owned the land, and then when your mom and her sisters owned the land, did you were you here a lot? Like, did you spend a lot of time in these woods? I am probably the last person you would have thought, if you would have met me at 18 or 16, that would own a maple sugar farm. Because... The one most important word about Maple Sugar Farm is the word farm. Uh, We are farmers. Um, And I was anything but a farmer. Uh, I always thought I was destined to live in Boston or New York or somewhere a little less remote or rural. Mm. So I am, yeah, probably the last person you would have thought would start this, but it was the land was calling me back Mm. uh, and I didn't even realize it. Do you think you missed it here when you were gone? I, I, um, hmm. I always love coming home, and I always called it coming home, which was confusing at the time, right? So I, I did live in Boston, I did live in New York, and my friends would be like, "What are you doing this weekend?" And I would say, "Well, I'm going home," and they would look at me and suggest, "Don't you live here?" But I didn't. I guess my heart always lived here, and so I 
always felt fortunate wherever I was. And, you know, I did travel and see and experience a good part of the world. But I always missed home without really missing it. I always, when I came home, there's this point um, when I used to drive up from Boston to Canaan and you come up Route 3. Uh, and there's a point on Route 3 where you're coming just before you get to Franconia Notch, and all of a sudden, there are fewer developments, there are fewer signs, and then you kind of peek the top of a hill and you look out and you can see the White Mountains and you can see what you're going home to. And there was always this feeling of calm that came over me when experiencing that ride home. So I did appreciate where I was, but I always loved coming home and perhaps didn't realize I missed it or would eventually call it my home until I did. Right. And you bought the property here in 2012, 13? I bought the property in 2012 and was very fortunate. At the time, my mom and dad were between business ventures, and I hadn't decided fully what April's maple would be. I knew that I would make maple syrup, Mm. and I had originally envisioned selling, you know, maple syrup and perhaps some traditional maple products. And I talked to my parents, and they were going to be my, my my points on that. I still needed my corporate job to pay, you know, the debt and the responsibility that comes with starting up such a big venture. And so my parents worked were my first two employees <laughs> um, in 2013, and I came home a year later after really having a year to explore the possibility of April's Maple, meaning could I do this and make a wise decision for my family? I also, when I started coming back, um, was reintroduced to my now husband, who I did go to high school with. And he was, he helped my parents the first few years tapping trees. And it was a reconnection point for us to get to know each other as adults. And we really hit it off. As much as I hit it off with the land, I hit it off with him. And there was no looking back after a certain point um, about what I would do. You know, would I stay at my corporate job and just run this remotely or would I move home? But once I started down the path and saw the what it could be and who I would be working with, my, my family, my now husband, um, it was kind of written, the path was already written for me. I didn't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> was there any moment you remember where you said, that's it, I'm I'm moving home. I'm leaving my corporate job and I'm going to do this. It's time. funny. When I decided to create April's Maple, I, well, I was a partner in my firm. I worked, you know, I started out doing projects when I started out. The one thing I learned about myself is I like to work. I like to be involved. I like to be engaged. Um, I started as you know, doing projects. I ended managing a practice and doing projects, but but managing a practice. And, you know, certainly you hear the stories about the corporate world and how it can, it's tiring. Um, you know, I traveled every week. I packed a bag and unpacked a bag. Um, and so I did, I was experiencing a certain amount of burnout. And I didn't re, I wasn't that burned out. I love, I'm very fortunate who I worked with. I loved my, the people I worked with. I, I really did like my job. It's just that I couldn't do both and do them well uh, because I like to be involved. I like to be engaged. So when I decided to move to April's Maple, it wasn't, 
about a moment. I, I guess it wasn't one moment that I was like, I'm done with this. And But it was funny to me when I decided I was going to do it and I started to tell my colleagues about this endeavor, so many of them were so envious of the idea, <laughs> right? I mean, it's you see this in the movies, right? It's like a Hallmark movie, a little bit more challenging than a Hallmark movie um, or the parts they don't show you in the Hallmark movie. But they were all, so many of them expressed this desire to do something similar, to step outside this comfort zone that they have that it's hard, but it is comfortable, right? Mm. This corporate world. Mm. Um, You have a paycheck, you have health insurance. These things that you, you have a retirement plan. These things you, you start to take for granted, you appreciate, but doesn't mean you don't take them for granted. And then they looked at me and they said, boy, what a risk. You're so brave to do this. I never thought of it that way. Oh, how come? Because I think it was a matter of, I was coming home. I was surrounded by this great support system. I really believed in and believe in what we are doing here. So I didn't feel like it was a risk until they started telling me I was taking a risk. (laughs) And I thought to myself, Hmm, wait a minute, was this a good idea? <laughs> but, and it's really, I couldn't be happier. And I, and honestly, there was no moment, there was no breaking point for me. And I'm still in contact with the people I used to work with, some of my customers and and also the people, my colleagues. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you were an accountant? I went to school for accounting, um, but I did not do accounting. I worked at an accounting firm. I know that's confusing, but I did more consulting work. So improvement work around processes, technologies, and things like that. Um, And that's what all the people in my group did on a certain type of client was our specialty. When you started, when you took that risk or leap of faith and you said, I'm I'm all in, I'm going to do this. Did you feel like you, I mean, you never really know until you're fully in it, but did you know kind of what you were in for or what this was all about? Or As a partner in a large company, you do experience, it is like owning a business. I was responsible for people, hiring them, developing them, creating products that were, you know, worthy in the marketplace, um, ensuring, you know, financial uh, success. But I always had a backstop, other partners in the practice, a large firm behind me. So I suppose I was ready to own a business in that. I already mirrored a lot of that in my corporate job. But the biggest difference is that you make the decision and you're the last call to action, to arms, right? You look at some of the challenges Small businesses are facing now um, the rising cost of fuel. I'm entering sugaring season. Mm. The time I use the most fuel and the fuel prices are on the rise. Um, Supply chain issues are real. Uh, I have challenges obtaining containers. I have to change my container when I find something that works. Um, Staffing challenges are real. I'm very fortunate. I have um, nine women that work here pretty full time. I call them my, my maple ladies or my maple family. Um, and, but I still have, I have, I could use another person or maybe even two. So I suppose if I wasn't prepared for something, I used to work a lot, very weird hours, long hours. And I, even now I, I do work six to seven days a week. Um, because if someone's out, I can't call on someone else to take somebody's place. It's my job. So if I wasn't prepared for something, well, I, I mean, I knew it would be hard work. I don't mind hard work, mm. but it is it is a lot of work. It's 
and one of the great things about it is, you know, I say I work a lot. I'm home every night for dinner with my family. That's the difference. Um, so none of the rest really matters to me because I do have that. Mm. Um, but it, running a business yeah. is running a business. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. You told me before we I turned the record button on, April's Maple is women-owned and family-run. So tell me about April's Maple and what is it and what makes it run? Sure. So... You know, I, I mentioned my support system. My husband, my mom, and my dad uh, are all intricate parts of this business. And when it comes time to make big decisions, I don't make decisions, you know, on my own. I certainly, we all talk about things and decide what way to go. Um, what, you know, what do we do? What products do we make? Can How can we improve things? So it is a family-run um, business, absolutely. I don't think any business can be run on its own, and I don't think that would be fun, actually. So you asked me what April's Maple is, and you know, one of the best ways to describe it is to really describe the four um, priorities that we have here. All of my employees know these priorities, and it was really important as we set out the business to kind of define these guiding principles. And these are not in any order, uh, but I will give them numbers. Number one is we make long-term friends of our customers. Uh, number two is that quality first, always quality first. Number three is sustainability. To me, that is two parts. It is the sustainability of my forest, but of, also of my community around me. And number four is to have fun. So when myself, my parents, my husband, or my Maple family, my Maple ladies help to make decisions, whether that be about products, about packaging, about how we speak to our customers and provide them with our customer experience. Those are our guiding principles that really help us to put forth our April's Maple experience in no matter what we do. So at April's Maple, we do those four things. And at the core of it, we're making maple syrup and making maple products and sharing them in a way that is more of a customer experience than a maple product. Um, so if you come in my door, you will be greeted likely by a warm smile. You will hear the maple ladies laughing <laughs> in the background <laughs> and you will be brought into our maple family. And you can see it in the customers that come in. I have a lot of regular customers that aren't from Canaan. They are from all over the United States mostly, New England mostly, um, but they are a part of this experience and they just kind of fit right into that experience. Mm -hmm. So when we make our maple, when we come up with our maple products or our ideas, I do try and make things that are a little bit different. More traditional maple candies in the past were like the fancies design. And when it came time to buy molds, I'm looking at all these molds and I don't, I can't identify with those little fancies mold. They're beautiful and they're classic and they're traditional. But I was at the time a 30-something woman in a, in an industry that wasn't really full of 30-something women. Mm. Um, and so I chose molds like turtles and frogs and owls and bears. And the individual that I was buying my molds from had some questions about that. And I said... That's okay. It's what I want. I want this. I want to create something on my own terms as well. And you see a lot more turtles and frogs and bears out in the marketplace now. And I'm not suggesting that we started that, but I know that we were doing that in yeah. 2014. Mm -hmm. um, we also make, you know, this, uh, it's called Maple Crunch. It's 
a little bit of a different spin on a product. It's dried sugar in a couple of different sizes. Um, if you come into my cafe, you'll find food I want to eat. So I guess mm. I try and make things that I want to eat. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Candy or, you know, sustainable food. Yeah. <laughs> so that is April's maple. We are maple sugaring, trying to do it our own way and with our four guiding principles. That's great. And then you and you have a cafe here, as you mentioned. Yes, we have a cafe. Um, the cafe was an accident, actually. Oh. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, when I started, I was envisioning just to make maple syrup and maple products. Not, I mean, I say the word just, but it, there's a lot that goes into that. Sure. Um, and at, after we finished sugaring our first year, I thought to myself, how am I going to sell this maple syrup to? I am in the middle. As you, you came up, you drove up here. We are very happily in the middle of nowhere. Um, you probably, you know, the, the biggest things on your trip were probably frost heaves. Um, yes. Many bumps <laughs> so, in the road. Many bumps <laughs> in the road, like our business, but yes. Um, so, I, you know, I it was a challenge to think, well, who's going to come here? And so we started ending sugaring season and I was talking to my parents at the time and I had, because my husband um, and I had just started dating and um, I can remember saying to my mom, we're going to put up an ice cream stand in here. <laughs> and she looked at me like I was absolutely insane um, because of course I wasn't here full time. So my decisions had very personal consequences on my parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and sure enough, when we were done boiling, we my dad built this little counter to put up right next to the evaporator, and we moved all the sugaring equipment out. I bought a freezer and rolled it in, and um, we started scooping ice cream. And gosh darn it, that summer, we would get groups of 20 people. Like, we're in a tiny little sugar house, and they'd be milling about. They'd be standing next to the evaporator. Um, I only served hard ice cream at the time. And they would just, they were having a great time. And it opened my eyes to this whole other community that I hadn't tapped into. It's the summer camp owners, the second home owners that really wanted to be a part of the area in a way. Mm -hmm. And so they latched on to April's Maple. um, And now they're some of my, you know, most regular valued customers. But so we started this ice cream shop. I'd get these groups of 20 and 30 in my tiny little store in my tiny little evaporator room. And that, it was great. And then, you know, summer came and went. We moved into, a sugaring season came again. And we found snowmobilers were finding their way accidentally down here. We didn't have a trail, but our sugar bush runs out two miles. Mm-hmm. And we do use a snow machine to get up and down the road. So snow machiners would be coming by. It's right off the trail access. And they would come down and be like, "What? what is this place? So my mom, all, they used to own a restaurant. And she has a... Oh loves to feed people. Mm-hmm. She called me up and she said, I think that I'm going to make some chili and sell them some chili. <laughs> so people would come in and watch them boil and eat a bowl of chili or have a hot dog. And as I started to, you know, transition my life and started coming home more often, you could see there was a real opportunity that we'd be silly not to take advantage of. And I did grow up in a restaurant business. My parents owned a restaurant in town and I knew that it was a hard life, so I didn't I didn't want to emulate some of that experience. And so we created this, I, I, you know, put on this addition, create a maple themed menu. I used to make one sandwich at a time. Like today's sandwich is a pulled pork. <laughs> Tomorrow, next week, maybe you'll get ham. And then people came in and they were like, wait, you don't have the ham today? I really wanted the ham. So I'd be like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? <laughs> so it grew from this kind of one sandwich with chili and hot dogs to 
a pretty diverse menu of food offerings and we're open daily closed on Tuesday, but from, you know, somewhere between 11 and three to five, depending on the time of year and the day we focus on, we offer all day breakfast, but I don't focus on getting a breakfast crowd. I, um, I focus on that midday people are driving through. We make, you know, special maple spice coffees. Now we, milkshakes are incredibly popular and they're coming back today. So watch out. There could be a line. Um, (laughs) So it's it really blossomed from a sugar house where we were making maple products to now we have two businesses, which really does give you a little bit more diversity and flexibility. Mm-hmm. It gives us an audience to help sell our maple products to. Some of my best customers are people that have come in on their snowmobile looking for food and take a gallon of syrup home or, oh, geez, I better bring my kids home something because they're not going to be happy if I come home with nothing. Let me get some maple candy. Um, So it was a happy accident. Um, We don't focus on breakfast or dinner and we don't serve alcohol. It's much more of a family focused Mm -hmm. homemade food. Um, All our sandwiches are made in homemade rolls. We make the pulled pork. We make a maple chipotle beef sauce, a barbecue sauce. We roast our own chicken. Um, Everything here is made from ingredients, not from packages out of the freezer. Oh, that's so nice. When I when I walked in this morning, um, it smelled so good. And like you said earlier, I there was someone staring back at me, a big smiling face greeting me. So one of the maple ladies greeted yes. me, told me to hang on one second that April would be right out. So tell me about the maple ladies. How many <laughs> of these wonderful women work here? I have, if I count my mom as a maple lady... You know, she's also have a dual role as my mother. Um, I have eight maple ladies um, out there, and I have four maple girls, we'll call them, mm-hmm. uh, who are high school kids that work for me on the weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started with, um, you know, my I had a first employee after my family, <laughs> first non-related member, <laughs> joined us in um, – she probably joined us in 2014. I should know that exactly. Um, and, you know, her, she's really been with us since we evolved. She was my only employee. She worked in the store, served people their one sandwich of the day, checked people out at the register, packed candy when it, and it was not busy. And I, I can remember a time, you know, I'd work on the weekends and we wouldn't get a customer. You'd sit outside in the sun, be like, boy, I wonder if I should close or do I stay open? <laughs> and we used to have a barbecue grill. I'd be like, well, I guess I'll make myself a cheeseburger for dinner or lunch. But she's really seen us evolve from, you know, this one little store to now she packs candy full time. She packs candy and she, you know, packs sugar and crunch and other things. But she's moved out of working in the front of the house and she's 100% we have enough candy to pack to be a whole job. Wow. Your maple uh, products, do you sell them online too? Yes. We sell online. We sell in our store. And I also sell uh, wholesale products to my customers, other stores, mostly around New England. But I do have clients, customers as far as California. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, that's and um, with COVID, COVID was difficult it did force us to reevaluate our business and our kind of our sales channels. Mm. Um, I did see a growth in my online presence. I was fortunate to already have an online yes. presence and I did not have to build it. I did have to um, update it to handle more of a capacity and a different sort of customer. Mm. But we are very fortunate that we had that infrastructure in place. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Now, tell me about 
the maple production here? How many taps do you have out there in the woods? Well, my husband is working on a new installation right now, oh. actually, um, which will bring us to 14,000 taps, wow. which is pretty exciting. You know, we're always untapping tree, you know, trees grow, mm. they change, sure. they, um, it, the high winds take trees down. Mm. Um, so we've been increasing since, well, I, I think I started with about 13,000 was my first real count. And we've added maybe about 1,000 as time has gone by. And we make anywhere between 3,500 to 4,200 gallons of sap a year. It really depends on the weather. We are very north, and it's a little colder here. Mm. So, you know, if you're from the Burlington area, sap is, flows a little earlier. Yeah. But we do go a little longer at the end. Right. Uh, but we usually miss out on those kind of warm days in the beginning. Right. Um, and... Last year was a tough year to make syrup, I think, for everyone, as far as I've heard. Um, sugar content was low. The trees were under stress due to some drought. Mm. Um, so myself, like I'm sure every other sugar maker, has really high hopes for this season. Yes. That is just starting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so okay. we boiled so far this year four times. And I have um, – how many drums do I have? Uh, I have about – 280 gallons of syrup. So I'm a really, you know, yeah. far away from knowing if I'm going to have a good season or a bad season. Sure. Um, you said earlier on a phone conversation we had, you don't really know until it's done. Like, no. How, if how people much ask me, it's funny because people will come in and ask me, are, are you having a good year? And I, I never, I've, I'm like superstitious. I'm like, I don't know if I'm having a good year. I won't know until I'm done. Mm-hmm. Or if I hit, I would tell you I'm having a great year or a good year. If I hit 4,000 gallons, then I would willingly tell you I had a good year before it was done, if I can get to there before I'm done. Right, <laughs> so, right. Um, but I, you don't know um, until it's done. And, you know, sometimes it starts earlier. Sometimes it starts later. I had a couple early runs this year that we don't always get. And the snow is – there's not a ton of snow out there, which mm. means the trees should run faster earlier. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you listen to, like, the old-timers have – much better views as to whether or not they they could probably tell me now about how many drums of syrup I was going to make. Um, but I'm not an old timer yet. Right, right. Uh, and I'm a first generation maple farmer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather did make maple syrup and I participated in that, but it was more of an Easter Sunday, go get this bucket kid and you're going to have the best des- uh, dessert of your life when in the form of sugar on snow. Yeah. I'm on it. I'm on it. That's <laughs> you know, great. we used to make maple cream the old-fashioned way. He'd give you some maple syrup, and you'd stir and stir and stir until it turned into maple cream, and you'd have oh. a blister. But man, you had like a tablespoon of maple syrup of maple cream to put on your toast the next day. Oh, that sounds delicious. That <laughs> now I have a great. maple cream machine. Yes, that's good. <laughs> it's I more saw, profitable. <laughs> yes, definitely. I saw the sign outside. That's excellent. Do um, when we were talking about tapping trees, just mm-hmm. so our listeners understand. Um, do so tapping starts when January in January. Um, so we started this year was difficult to tap trees. Um, it was very very cold, so cold, and we try not to. We don't tap the trees when it's. Um, we t- try not to tap in the trees until it's in the twenties mm-hmm. uh, at least, because I think it's you know better for the health of the tree and also the health of the maple tree tapper. (laughs) (laughs) um, It's quite cold out there. So we started in January this year, a little earlier than normal, but we were really held up. um, And we just finished tapping um, last week. So well, we finished at the end of February, Uh, we were really ready to make maple syrup at the end of February. Okay. And I have, um, my husband is obviously the 
you know, leader of that great effort that happens. And he has a couple guys that come back every year and help uh, with the tapping of the trees. But it's a big, it's big, big first step. Yeah. It's a big first step. So we tap our trees in January, February, and then we just sort of wait for the sap to run. It can run anytime um, now until the end of April is when we usually finish. But um, you make syrup when the weather is warm in the day above freezing. I mean, I would love a nice 38, 39 de degree day with a just a smidgen of sun. Mm. Uh, and then I'd love it to freeze at night um, to make to extend our season. So it doesn't have to go too cold. I would take a nice 28 degree evening. Right. Um, the reality is, though, up here, you know, today it's 37 and cloudy. Will we get sap? We won't know until the day is more moved on because of the clouds. Right. Um, and then, you know, tonight it could be 14 degrees. Um, it could be below zero, which means the next day it takes a little longer to warm up. And then you finish, all sugar makers finish at the end of the season when the tree starts to blossom or bud. Mm. Uh, you make something called, you get something called buddy sap, which makes a very, I'll call it earthy flavor of maple syrup mm. um, that is not a table grade syrup we do make a little bit of it um, because we use it in cooking but we oh. don't make much of it okay because it's very sweet and it has a maple flavor it's just not one i would pour on my pancakes but perhaps i would put it in my um, iced coffee or my cook hot dogs in it oh, nice <laughs> so yeah that's great what um and a how many, um, how much sap does it take to make a gallon of syrup? Well, when you're getting sap, it's all about the sugar content. Um, so traditionally it takes, if you get 2% sap, it takes about 40 gallons of sap to make a gallon of maple syrup. Um, uh, but last year we usually have a sweet sugar bush. So we will start the season at 2% and, you know, go up to two and a half, um, maybe even a little bit higher sugar content. So again, it takes less to make one gallon. Last year, I think we hit 2% once and we were down most of the season to one and a half percent sugar, 1.2% sugar, um, which is you takes anywhere between like 50 to 60 gallons to make of sap to make a gallon of maple syrup. So it took a lot of work to make a gallon of maple syrup last year. Yeah. People are always fascinated by that. Oh my fact. gosh. It, you know, it's so funny because before COVID hit, I used to do a lot of tours. Um, and people, some, some of the questions you get are, um, well, first of all, people think you make maple syrup all year round. <laughs> right. Um, and so you don't, right. <laughs> you have a very short window. Yes. Um, and then second, they say, well, isn't the, because we have a tubing network that brings the sap to the sugar house, doesn't the maple syrup get stuck in those lines? It's quite thick. I'm like, well, no, it's only 2% sugar if we're lucky when it comes in. Right. Um, so they're really fascinated by this process that, I mean, the great thing about maple syrup is we don't alter it in any way. We do not add a thing to it. Um, we are just harvesting what Mother Nature will allow us and offers us and concentrating it to make the best flavor we can. So mm. it's such a cool thing, right? Um, and people don't always know that. You, you take yeah. it for granted when you grow yeah. up in Vermont. But not everybody made sugar with syrup with their grandfather on Easter. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we're lucky. Yeah, that's that's really nice. What would you say you love most about your life here? I love, let's see, how can I answer this question the best? I love so many things about my life. I, you know, about my maple life here, I love that I'm surrounded by hardworking individuals. I love coming to work every day and laughing out loud ridiculously. Um, I love that I get to work with my husband. I love that I get to work with my parents. I love that both of my stepdaughters work here with me now. So I'm surrounded at work by 
laughter and um, just a kind of a dedication to what we do. And that's such a great feeling to, to wake up to every day. And I love going home at night. I love a nice summer night on my back deck with my family having dinner. I love the peace and the tranquility of everything around me um, and just adds to the overall happiness of my day. You can learn more about April's Maple by visiting aprilsmaple.com. Thanks for listening to Happy Vermont. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Pandora, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. And if you have story ideas, questions, or just want to say hello, drop me an email at hello at happyvermont.com. You can also visit my website at happyvermont.com. Thanks so much for listening. Take care and talk to you soon.